Inconceivable. 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 Inconceivable? Hi, everybody. We have to redo that. That was like the least enthusiastic. <laughs> Just, hey, guy. Hello! It's us. Scoff and Wonk. The peoples that you listen to sometimes. If we're lucky. If we're lucky. <laughs> it, uh, uh, it is hot. We have, like, no energy. Like. You can probably tell. This, this week is ranging from mid to high 30s for Celsius, so to our friends in Fahrenheit, that roughly translates to holy fucking hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, our friends who live elsewhere in the world where it's hotter than this on a more regular basis are probably very angry with you. I don't know how they do it. But let's just say us Canadians are more equipped to handle cold weather than we are hot weather. Here's the thing. I will wear shorts in minus 15. I don't give a crap. But heat is just not my thing. Nope. It, it kills me. I I burn. It's sad. (laughs) So 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 we're we're we apologize for general lack of enthusiasm and energy today. Yeah. Um, And also for the fact that we almost forgot to record, which is why this episode is late. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um. What do you What do you mean by that? There. Walk. What do you mean? Ready. This is Season 5, Episode 7 of Inconceivable. Tell us thine story, O oh fair maiden. I will do that. Um, Verily. <laughs> okay. Our, <laughs> our story today, I have sort of categorized under true crime. Sort of. Because it's very different from the types of true crime that, like, usually gets told, or that we've even told on this show in the past. Okay. So, it's very interesting. Bring it. Interesting. Um, yeah. This is going to be the weirdest missing persons case you have ever heard. I like it. Bring it. Okay. Um, this takes place in Australia. Oi! I got a lot of my information from The Australian, an article from there. Um, and it is about a man named Gabriel, but I don't know how to say the last name. It's either, like, Nagy, Nagy, or Nagy, or, like, I, it's N-A-G-Y, but I don't we're, know how to say it. We're gonna go with Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. We're, just, we're gonna stick with that. But yeah, sorry, I just don't want to keep butchering the last name, so I'm just gonna keep saying Gabriel. Our last so. name is easy, so it's, we're, we don't have practice <laughs> with complicated ones. Yeah. So, dude man. Dude man, bro man, dude bro. <laughs> um, so this happened in January of 1987. January 21st, 1987. Okay. In Australia, as I said. Um, this dude man was a shop fitter, which I don't know what that means, and accountancy student. So he was, go- he was planning on going into accounting, I suppose, but... I don't really know what shop fitter means. It's I imagine not... it's like providing materials for startup businesses. Maybe. I don't that know. That or he like looks at a space, he's like, yes, a shop could fit here. <laughs> Alright, my job here is done. Walks away. I don't know. 
Um, maybe someone can tell us. Maybe you can just send us a, like a quick comment or send us a quick email. I, I don't know. But it's not terribly relevant to the story. All you need to know is he had his... You know, he had his jobs, and he was planning to go into accounting, it sounds like. He had two kids, Jennifer 9 and Stephen 11, and his wife Pamela. And, like, just kind of seemed like a regular guy with a steady job and kids and... Yeah, seems like... General good life. You know, John Doe. Yeah. Regular fucking man. Regular dude. Um, regular dude man, as you'd say. Yeah, dude man. So... <clears throat> Our story begins under, like, seemingly innocent circumstances. Takes a really, really weird turn. So, he phones on this day to tell his wife that he would be home for lunch. And then it becomes a missing persons case when he obviously just doesn't show up. Yeah. As expected. Um, and he doesn't... I mean, this is one of those cases, thankfully, where he just vanishes into thin air without a trace, and it's like, what happened? <laughs> Um, but, like, very quickly, so the next day, they found his burnt-out car on the side of the road. Burnt out. Yeah. Burnt out, I'm assuming, means, like, it was in an accident and... The battery died, maybe. I guess. But I think burnt out, like, like, they came upon the scene and it looked like he had sort of crashed into something and the front of the car was smoking and... Yes. Or it's just kind of literally picture. a charred wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. But so anyway. found car, he know there. I did look at several articles to try and figure out what this meant, and all of them just said burnt out car. So I don't... Yeah. Might be smallsy slang. <laughs> Crikey. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Shrimp on the barbie. You're going to stop making people pissed off, please. <laughs> That's my job. Um... <laughs> So, obviously, the wife says, quote, he'd never been away from home without telling anyone, and is convinced that this isn't just a case of someone, like, walking away. Um, especially if, in my head, when I hear burnt-out car, that seems a bit more suspicious than him just yeah. leaving when you find a car that way, so... There are easier ways to just leave. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, you know, that, that makes you think he didn't just kind of up and leave. Um... Two weeks after the actual disappearance, uh, Dude Man withdrew money. <laughs> Every time, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> dude Man Bro, Dude Man Bro. Gabriel. I don't know why I'm enjoying saying that so much more than Gabriel. I just want to go with Dude Man now. Um, anyway, he withdrew money from his bank account and used it to buy camping supplies at a store in Newcastle. And this was their last clue as to like his whereabouts. Okay. Was this spending. So what was strange is having found the car in this condition and then having this record of him making this payment for camping supplies, which seems kind of random. Yeah. Um, so obviously people at this point know that at least two weeks after he disappeared, he's still alive and seems to be fine and spending money and not, you know, dead. Not telling... Well, I mean, yeah, not dead, but also not contacting his family. So two weeks after the car is found, he buys camping supplies. Yeah. No contact having been made to his family. Yeah. Okay. So it's weird, right? So... Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think what's happening in your head is what was happening in the heads of lots of people. So, like, the family couldn't deal with all of the questions, right... Like, the publicity, yeah. why would a loving father 
like leave and not be leaving like you know if he's dead or kidnapped or something he's not leaving of his own free will right but when you hear about him buying camping supplies you're like okay he's obviously okay he's probably fine yeah um you know unless i guess somebody could have withdrawn money and paid for camping supplies in his name i suppose if they had like his cards but i don't know anyway it was bought online or if it was done really quick well i don't know yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Um, Do the pen. Yeah. So, obviously, the family's getting lots of questions, and, like, you know, that's hard to handle when a lot of people are probably thinking things that are not so nice. Like, oh, he obviously just left his family. I mean, the, the thing is, like, nine out of ten times, that would yeah, be the explanation. it would be the explanation. But it just sucks to be the family who is on the receiving end of yeah, absolutely. all this speculation and stuff. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so obviously the family is not really enjoying that. So I couldn't find how long after the actual disappearance this happened, but eventually they relocated from Sydney, um, their home to Queensland on the Sunshine Coast. Okay. So, um, I don't know how far apart these are either, but, um, Pamela, the wife, did make sure they were always in the phone books so that if for whatever reason she, he, wanted, uh, to he wanted to come home, he'd be able to find them. So there's that. When you say eventually relocated, it makes me think that a while has gone by. Yeah, but that's my wording. Okay. So I don't... But even just them moving indicates a decent passage of time. You would think, right? You would think they wouldn't wait one month and be like, okay, he's just dead. Yeah. Unless they're like living paycheck to paycheck and they had to like... Yeah, that's fair. But at least a month, I would think, has gone by. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, they they relocate, which I mean I understand. I might have done the same thing. So, <clears throat> so we have a big jump now. <laughs> big jump. Um, more than twenty years later. Holy fuck! That is a big. jump. <laughs> I was expecting like you know six months or a week. I'm saying it's the weirdest missing person. Fucking years. Yeah. And so, they, he, okay. So first of all, a lot in a lot of missing persons cases, the longer amount of time goes by, the less likely you are to find any information. Yeah. Whether it's this person is still alive, this person has died, and you found the body. Like, the longer it takes, the higher the chances that you're just never gonna know, right? Yeah. Um, so usually if you find something, it's fairly soon after the disappearance. But now, as I said, this is very weird. We are more than 20 years later, and we finally have some answers. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so this happens to be two weeks before an inquest would have officially declared him dead. Gabriel. That's a long time. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure in the U.S., and people can quote me out there, I don't know about Canada's, it's like seven years. Is it? If, if you go seven years without uh-huh. anybody hearing or seeing from you, or no, like no record of you traveling to another country, I'm pretty sure you can be declared dead. So 20 years is a long time. I don't know. Um, maybe the family is involved in that somehow and they kind of decide... Keep pushing it back, maybe? To keep pushing it? I don't know. Possible. Um, anyway... Yeah, so it was just two weeks before he would have officially been declared dead. Um, and the constable who had been working on the case, so George, Georgia Robinson, um, 
had been searching for him for 10 years, so she'd been working on this case a long time, uh, and was making preparations for a coroner's court hearing. Um, and this is when she finally finds something that's useful. So she's doing a final sweep, trying to find information about him, and stumbles across a Medicare record that's under his name. Gabriel... <laughs> Dudeman. Dudeman. Gabriel Dudeman. <clears throat> yeah. So... She finds this Medicare record and is able to dial the number. I don't know where on these records the number is, but there's a phone number there. Probably, like, in the actual database they have the number. Yeah. Contact number. Oh, yeah, like when he went to a hospital or whatever yeah. and used the card. Okay, that makes sense. Anyway, she called the number. Um, <laughs> So, I, I lost my place in my notes. <laughs> she calls the number and a dude man answers the phone. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Just randomly, like, hello? Yeah, he answers the phone. Okay. Um, and she's kind of just playing it casually, just saying she's a constable and she wants to talk with him and yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, and he gets panicky. And her response to this, like, to try and calm him down was essentially to tell him he wasn't in trouble for anything. Like, it wasn't, like, he was a wanted person or something. Yeah. Um, and she goes on to say, quote, you're a missing person and that's not a crime. Unquote. Yeah. Um, and if, yeah, if you and the, our listeners are confused at this point as to what is happening. I'm a little confused. So is she. So here's the thing. So up, leading up to this point, just to recap. Dude wakes up one day, finishes his bowl of Wheaties, drives somewhere, abandons a vehicle for whatever particular reason, burnt out, whatever. Two weeks later, buys camping supplies. And then... From what I'm gathering, because he has a Medicare card, he started a new life somewhere else in a different part of Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that sound about accurate? Yeah, yeah, so you're you're doing pretty good, yeah. My first it's hunch cool. was that he, like, built a cabin in the woods and was like, fuck <laughs> this, I'm becoming a monk. Okay. I'm just going to live. Don't I guarantee, you and I have had this talk. I guarantee listeners have had, like, this desire to amass enough money to buy enough to sustain yourself indefinitely and yeah. just, like, build a cabin in the woods and just, like, screw everything to do with modern society. Yeah. They're, they're, I could see it. I could see it. Um, so that's not quite it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so basically, what happened, and she's, she is, like I said, obviously confused because he's answering very casually as if, like, he doesn't really follow why he's being called. Yeah. And, Yada yada. Um, so, in case you have not already worked out what is going on, I liked your theory, but he actually does not remember anything. He got knocked on the noggin. He does not remember anything. Dun, so, dun, dun. the earliest thing he can possibly remember, and what's strange is that, like, when he woke up, he had no memory of stuff, like, from before, right? And then he's living out his life. And then the memory of that slowly starts to fade. Meanwhile, some memories from his past start to come back. So it's all very muddled. Okay. But the earliest thing he remembers is waking up in Newcastle and bleeding a lot from a head wound. And he has the scarring on the back of his head, from, like, to this day. So... So he got into a car accident. It seems like. And it just basically, like, cleaned his clock. Reset. It's like when you restart your computer, everything got reset, 
Yeah. And he walked and basically started a new life somewhere else. Seems like. Alright. Yeah, it seems like. So, yeah. Uh, Listen, I don't know how many people are in Australia. The dude was using his same fucking name on a Medicare card. Oh, I'm getting there. Okay, I was like, detective people, what are you doing? Don't. Just stop. (laughs) Let me finish. (sighs) (sighs) He has scarring on the back of his head. So basically, today... Um, he believes that whatever injury he sustained is what caused some of the amnesia. Okay. But we will start to talk about why later that might not necessarily be the... It might not be as simple as that. Ooh. Yeah. So, um... So the next 20 years of his life after this head thing are mostly blank, like I said. Okay. So he was just kind of living in this blur where new memories were being made, but then he was sort of forgetting those and it was becoming a blank thing. And then he was maybe starting to remember some older memories at the same time. And it's all just like, to me, it sounds awful. It does. It sounds horrid. Like just, I, the next 20 years of my life are a blank, but I also have trouble remembering things from even before that and who I am. Like, I just, it does not sound like a good time. No, it would really suck. Um, he was offered shelter and work on a farm in Rockhampton, as well as some odd jobs on fishing boats and building sites, all of these sort of around the Queensland area. Um, at this point, he's living under a pseudonym. Okay. Okay, so he... Yeah. A different name. Yeah. 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 Um, he was actually sleeping on the streets. He obviously did not have a place to live. It's not good. Um camped on the beach sometimes, which might explain that purchase. Um, got into alcohol alcoholism a little bit, which makes perfect sense to me, because he describes this feeling of emptiness, like his, his life is just this, like, blank. Yeah, he, he needed and wanted an escape. Yeah, yeah. so that makes sense to me. Um, so in McKay, he eventually met uh, a gentleman named Pastor Barry Hayhoe. Barry Hayhoe. Um, who was a truck driver and turned church dude. Yeah. Um, and this guy offered... I can see it. <laughs> so you spend a lot of time on the road alone. Yeah. You know, you might start uh, searching for a different calling. You might kind of appreciate the beauty of everything. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I can see it. So anyway, um... The pastor offers him a room at River of Life Church, as well as the caretaker job. Okay. Um, which, you know, he obviously accepts because he's no longer having to sleep on the streets. Um, and at this point, slowly, little tiny pieces are starting to come back to him. So by now, he doesn't need that pseudonym. He's starting to remember his actual name. Okay. So this explains why, sort of out of the blue, there's this person who didn't know who he was, but who suddenly has his name. Yeah, and that's when he adopted Gabriel back. Got it. Gabriel so, Dudeman. Yeah, so when he eventually needed cataract surgery, um, Pastor Dude helped him get the Medicare card with his real name on it, which is how that record Got it. eventually made its way to Constable Robinson, who found it and contacted yeah, him. Yeah, I gotcha. So now we're caught up to the present. But that's basically everything he remembers. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I've said it before, like... <sighs> physical injuries are terrible. Yeah. But 
mental ones are, are almost scarier for me. Because, like, yeah. everything I am and everything you are is up there. Yeah. Right? Like, and, yeah, yeah. and losing that is such a terrifying concept to me. It is. Like, losing... I don't mean, I don't want to undermine people who've, like, lost physical things. Like, no, you yeah. lost an arm. That's not what we're trying to you do know? here. But, like, that is one thing that is awful, but not to be compared with losing, like, your sense of who you are or memories, which make up your, your life. Everything. Yeah, basically. Neither are experiences I ever want to have. No. So, anyway, I don't envy this man. No, not at all. <clears throat> But yeah, this turns into a very strange case. A missing persons case where someone was found 23 years later, still alive and well, and having just gotten up and started a life not remembering who he was. One it's very strange. drive and he bumped his head. Then he forgot his name, no place to lay for bed. He worked at a church till he recalled his name. Little old Gabriel was never the same. Wow. This is truly special. That's, yeah, special. It's really special. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> Follow that. So when the constable is finally in touch with him, she's asking questions, she's showing him photographs, all of the things that sound pretty normal in terms of how they would treat something like this. Yeah, right? like, do you recognize this person? It's like a yes. picture of his wife. So, um, yeah, so he says, quote, it was like a cartoon where f- um, where light bulbs go on and off on top of people's heads. Uh-huh. Um, so he started to, like, put pieces together and be like, oh, yeah, I remember this, and I- oh, I remember that person. So it just kind of slowly is coming back. Um, the constable gave him letters as well from Pamela, his daughter Jennifer, his dad, his stepmom. Um, and at this point, it's interesting. I don't know officially what sort of, like, laws or rules are sort of put in place for this, but the constable allowed him to decide whether or not to contact his family at this point, which I think is interesting. By now, they'd been told he was alive. Yeah. So they know. Um, but it's, but been it's interesting. Years. Yeah, it's interesting that they they honestly might be starting to think of him, even though he's the same person, as being someone, like, separate? I I don't know what I'm trying to say, but... To try and think of him not as being the person that he was before he disappeared, who would have an obligation to his family, but as someone who is only slowly starting to remember them, and who does not necessarily identify any longer as parent and husband. Yeah. Right? And, and well the thing is it's it's been twenty three years. Yeah. I'm not saying the family has moved on so much as they've probably learned to like accept Yeah. And and cope and live with the reality that he would be coming back. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of understand <clears throat> the like you you don't have to. There's no expectations for you to yeah. come back at this point. Yeah. So at, at the very least they they know he's alive at this point. The constable allows him to decide um, and at this point in the article, it's great. He says, quote, That afternoon, I sat down and wrote the longest letter I had ever written in my life. Seven and a half pages on both sides of the paper. <laughs> you just thought of the thing from Friends, didn't you? Thing friends. Fourteen pages. Front, Front and, and back. back. Front and back. 
Yeah, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That made my day. Yeah, so um, he wrote a long letter. Um, And a few days later, he gets a message from his daughter, Jennifer, on this old phone that he'd apparently been given. So I'm assuming in the letter he, like, wrote down his number or something. Um, So, yeah, she's, like, just messaging him and saying, you know, hi, Dad. (laughs) That'd be such a weird thing to get out of the blue. Be like, hey, Pops. Well, I mean, not out of the blue. He sent her the letter. No, I know, but I'd still be like, oh, God, this is weird. Yeah. And then he says again, quote, Ten minutes later, the phone rang, and it was Pam. We talked until the battery died. <laughs> Jeez. Like, that, I mean... You would you'd have a lot to say. It, yeah. Because I, I was thinking it would be weird, but it would be nice. Just to hear his voice. Just to, just to talk. Just, yeah. Just to talk again. Yeah. Anyway, I really like it. Uh, so then Jennifer, now 32, Jeez. so she's... We keep thinking she's his daughter, but she's an she's adult. adult. Probably, probably kids of her own. I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe at 32. Um, anyway, she flew to McKay to see him. Um, and it's great. In the article, they describe this movie-like moment where they were just, like, running towards each other in the, in the airport. And he has his flowers. and <laughs> Then they, like, jump in the air. And, like, yeah. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah, so. Doves. It's a pretty great image. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, <laughs> so, like, I mean, some people may be disappointed. The story doesn't really have maybe as much closure as you would like. He doesn't, like, drop everything and go back to a family he hardly remembers, right? So he does stay in McKay on his own. He keeps in touch with his family, his daughter and his yeah. mom, and it doesn't mention the son. I don't know if, like, he's still alive, or if Maybe he's... he moved far away. I'm not sure, but yeah, he, they don't mention the son. But anyway, he's he's in touch with his family, his parents, his wife, his daughter. Um, but yeah, like, he doesn't move back. He just stays in McKay with his life he has, and... Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, the wife could have remarried, but even if she did it, the kids aren't living at home mm-hmm. anymore. Or they, they probably aren't, I can't say. Like, yeah, I get it. It's it's a life that he has vague memories of, but it's not his life anymore. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. I think that's definitely very reasonable, and at the very least, he's still in touch with them, and he has those relationships which are probably adding to the life he has, but that otherwise felt a little bit empty without yeah. those relationships, right? So, I think it's nice. I think it's nice, too. Yeah. Um, so, the main theory about this is that he um, had something called dissociative fugue? Sure. I don't know how to pronounce that. Fugue. 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 I, I have no idea how but we, to... But wait, the uh, fugue. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's a rare psychiatric disorder that causes memory loss and often actually leads to people wandering away from their families. And that's actually something that's common with this. Interesting, yeah. Even though this is quite rare. Um, so, I mean, that's the theory that the, the dad and the daughter hold to. Makes sense. Um, and she and the daughter, Jennifer, is really pleased about the story being told. She um, says that she wants to show others, quote, what it means 
um, for a family to have answers when someone disappears. Yeah. Which I think is very true. Absolutely. It's the not knowing. Yes. That and I that's the hardest part, the, she the hardest said. Part. Yeah. Absolutely. So, anyway, it has closure in that sense. The, fi- the family does not... I mean, they obviously have to go through 20 plus years of dealing with not knowing. But in the end. But they, in the end, they know. Yeah. Which is what I would want if I knew someone who vanished. I would want to just know. Right? So, anyway... Um, that is the whole story, but I thought I would just briefly mention a few other reports about this because um, it's kind of not well understood, this disorder, and it's very varied. Okay. The, the like, uh, the behavior and stuff is somewhat similar in all the cases. Like I said, you just kind of wander away from your family as if you don't remember anything. I mean, that's just, you know. I say as if, but basically that's what it is. You don't yeah. remember anything, you, you wander away. Um, but other things can be very different. Like the type of amnesia that you have can be very different. Mm. And the causes. So, um, in the case of Dude Man, it's it's quite random. He's He's either out on an errand or he's at work or something, says I'll be home by lunch, and then maybe gets in a car accident and hits his head. Yeah. And wanders off, which would seem to point to the the impact trauma being the cause, right? Yeah. And then you have other cases which are the same but also different. So let me explain. So there's one case report where uh, the person is, um, like, it's the name is just Mr. A. So Mr. there's no, like, official name given. Um, but a 20-year-old with no past medical history or traumatic event of any kind... Um, Apparently, his supervisor called his mother from work because he was at work and did not recognize his friends or coworkers. He was asking what he was supposed to be doing and overall seemed very confused. So obviously gets sent home and then at home doesn't recognize his mom, his dog, his siblings. Um, wakes up the next morning before everyone else is awake and wanders off alone. Ends up in, at a convenience store parking lot still having no clue what's happening. Yeah. And then ends up in a hospital where all the tests are done and like there's no explanation like there's no substances that might explain his symptoms or like nothing yeah so this is even more random like there's no car accident or trauma or like anything he's just all of a sudden is like what am i doing do i work here who are you the human (laughs) brain is such a complicated like yeah we have not fully like we don't understand the human brain fully yeah absolutely it's such a complicated thing that Whenever it comes to issues that affect the brain, like memory or even like auditory visual things, I 100% believe these stories, mm-hmm. right? Just because like it could be like a random imbalance of chemicals decide to happen, yeah, or that's fair. maybe he like juddered slightly, gave himself like a minor concussion in an area of the brain that mm-hmm. did something else. Like it's oh, yeah. so stupidly complicated and fragile. Yeah, um, you just said juddered. What does juddered mean? I mean like. So when you get concu- if you have a lot of concussions, yeah, you get really susceptible to concussions. Yeah, I've heard of people where like judder, like you trip and fall, but like you like catch stumble? yourself. Yeah, stumble. <laughs> Same fucking thing. And okay. you catch yourself without actually hitting your head, but your brain is still moving. Yeah, and you can give yourself a minor concussion. Okay. Interesting. Well, Especially I'm if not you've done. had them before. You're not done. I'm not done. No, Fit- that's just one other case. Okay. A different case I found of a Nigerian medical student who in this case, was under a lot of pressure um, and who had much less severe localized amnesia. 
Okay. Um, so what I mean by that is like the the cause in this case is the pressure of being the medical student and having all this academic pressure. Um, and the amnesia was more localized in the sense that he kind of went off on this trip and I think ended up seeing his brother in a different area. But it was like this eight-hour car trip and he doesn't remember how he got from A to B. His brain was basically just blacked out. Yeah. So... So that's much more localized. It's not as yeah. though he, he forgot about his past for a long period of time. It's more like he was under all this pressure and had this very sudden localized amnesia, ends up at his brother's house and is like, hey, I live eight hours away. I don't know how I got here. I right? get that on smaller scales. Like, I do that when I'm driving sometimes. Well, but everybody does but, that. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a much smaller scale. Yes. Eight hours is nutty. Yes. And there's something else going on. Yeah, and it's not like I don't remember the drive. It's like I literally don't know how I got here. Ah. Right? It's different. Like, did I did I drive here? Did I take the train? Like, did I <laughs> hitchhike? I don't know. Aliens. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm trying to get into the different types. Like, I found a list of the different types of amnesia you can actually have under this same disorder. Yeah. That's why it's so strange. And the causes can be different. So in the first one, there was no apparent cause. In the case of Dude Man, it might have been his head got bumped. In the case of this Nigerian student, it could have been the academic pressures and the, um, you know, the anxiety and the stress. And then in the last case of 25-year-old Sandra, she had amnesia, which was related to a childhood trauma from a long time ago. Okay. Um, so as a, as a kid, she was very unfortunately the victim of sexual abuse. Ooh. And that, you know, previous trauma led to her having a selective amnesia. Interesting. So she was starting to black out pieces of her past and her childhood, which would seem to suggest she's, it's in an effort to... Not Forget remember, trauma. yeah, to not remember the trauma. I've heard of things like this happening. That's why some people go to therapists later because yes. they literally blacked out memories, mm-hmm. or repressed memories, I think they're called. Yes, of traumatic events. That's a perfectly understandable coping mechanism. Absolutely. You're just going to black out things that are going to prevent you from leading a happy life moving forward, right? Yeah. So, anyways, these are all very different, but they're all cases of this disorder that I found. So I find it very interesting that it's not understood, really. It's the brain, man. The brain is weird. It's so complicated. Yeah. Like, and, and I might be pulling stuff right out of <clears throat> my ass, but I'm pretty right sure... Now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the brain is, like, more complicated than pretty much any standard computer you have today. Like... In terms of the connections, the amount of processing power it has, the storage for memory, mm-hmm. like it, well, and it, computers do things that, in my opinion, like they're they're programmed, they're logical, they're rational. Yeah. Whereas human brains almost do things that you can't always rationalize. Yeah. Right. We think in a different way. Yeah. And our brains work in a different way, but they are like. Just like how sometimes you can, like, skin your knee and you scrape off some of the skin and it heals back, but it might heal back, you know, differently. You'll have a scar, right? The brain is much the same way. Any kind of trauma or even just as it, the cells that make it up replace themselves. Yeah. Like, I 100% believe all these stories. Yeah. The brain is weird. Brain is weird. Yeah. And as a final note, I want... The brain is weird. The brain is weird. 
That's our next uh, merch item right there. With the picture of like an arrow pointing right up at the face. <laughs> Dub brain is weird. Anyways, um, yeah, we're gonna stop now before this gets too weird. But I do want to end on the note that we did just watch BuzzFeed's new episode about the disappearance of Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. Which is so iconic, and I love it, because Agatha Christie's a mystery writer, and she goes through this disappearance, and everybody speculates about it. It's great. Um, But what I find super interesting is that this is one of the theories about what happened, because she kind of does the same thing. She wanders off from her family, seems to forget who she is and what she's doing, goes on her trip to the spa, and then later someone recognizes her, and she's like, oh, hey. So theories that she had this type of localized amnesia. Yes. Interesting. Yep. And I can't remember if BuzzFeed mentioned this. I feel like this is new information for me. I don't think they did. But when I looked into the case more, I found out that her um, husband, Archie, asked for a divorce shortly before this happened. Oh. So that would be one of those cases where some sort of stress or anxiety or trauma right beforehand is the cause of that amnesia. So the more I looked into this, I was like, hmm, this sounds exactly like what Agatha Christie went through. I can see it. Because it's very similar. It's less periods, of, uh, less, uh, lesser period of time of actual amnesia. Oh my god. Amnesia. Amnesia. Ah. It's actually a shorter period of time that she experienced amnesia, obviously, because Gabriel yeah. had it for 23 years. But I think that it's very similar in the sense that once she was discovered and she was shown pictures of her life and asked questions and her memories started coming back, it's pretty much the same all around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the idea that she had amnesia. Shut up. <laughs> so mean <laughs> to like me. a four-year-old trying to pronounce the word. I, uh, Daddy, I think I have amnesia. Amnesia. <laughs> or Finding Nemo. Anemone. Or as someone else I know, got. Yeah, that's me. That was me. That was you. Yeah. Anyways, that was a good story. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I totally, totally conceivable. I figured. Dot brain is weird. I figured this one would be conceivable, which is why I would like to come up with a less conceivable thing for next week, but I would appreciate some comments or emails about what you guys want to hear next, because I feel like I've covered all of the subject areas or categories this season, so, um, Yeah. Let us know if there's one that strikes your fancy. How many accents have you done this I episode? I don't know. We should have, like, a counter. <laughs> Just ding every time <laughs> you switch. Just add it in post. How many accents can, uh, can Scoff do on a I single? I can do none. I can, well, I mean, I guess I can do one. I can do a Canadian accent. A. a. <laughs> <laughs> really All okay. Right. Then we got to make a thing of this now. Like Canadian, a American. Now I don't know what y'all are doing down here. There's so Canadians who talk like that. I mean, yeah, but we don't, you know, associate them. Um, <laughs> French, <laughs> brutal. Uh, the uh, the British, I say. That was, that was terrible British. I, <laughs> I can't do it on demand. Now you're staring at me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to stop making an arse of myself, and we will see you next time on Inconceivable. Have a good one. Bye-bye.